Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our podcast, the Tickle Me Comedy Podcast, the, the last one, the next one in our series. Uh, I'm Dylan Dillagaff. I'll be hosting by myself tonight. My partner, Isaac uh, Israel, is uh, who knows where he is. Uh, we have a search party out looking for him. So in the meantime, I'll take care of all the hosting duties and uh, you'll have some fun. Just stick with us. So with me tonight, well, before we do that, let's talk about the sponsors. So our sponsors tonight, you know, we try to get uh, around the valley to different restaurants and, and bring you a different podcast. Tonight, we're at Siena Italian Restaurant over on Sahara. And uh, great food I ate here earlier. It's awesome. The food is terrific. So if, you get a, if you're over here and you get a chance to, uh, to stop by, the food is great. Our other sponsor for tonight is the Blue Zone Comedy Tour. Uh, of which I'm a part of. Blue Zone Comedy uh, sponsors uh, comics that have a disability, and we try to get them out and uh, and seen by the world. So uh, um, you can find us out there on, on Facebook and uh, the other social media, Blue Zone Comedy Tour. So with that, let me introduce our guests for tonight. I've, I'm, I'm privileged. I have two great comedians with me. I have, to my far left, I have Monty Cruz, and I have uh, Ryan Cole, and uh, they're both... They're both awesome comics, and uh, we're just going to jump into it. So, Monty, start off. Tell us, tell us a little about you and your comedy, and uh, and what you've been doing. Um, well, I'm straight out of Dayton, Ohio, uh, born and raised. Uh, I'm now living in Las Vegas and enjoying life. I've uh, been doing comedy for over 15 years now. Uh, been inside clubs and underground, locally, everywhere. I've been doing my thing. Uh, I'm now doing. Uh, social distancing on uh, social media doing comedy and I'm just having fun man enjoying life life is the new rich yep I like it how about you Ryan I'm Ryan Cole I am born and raised in uh, Las Vegas really? yeah I've been a lot of places but I ended up back here in Las Vegas been doing comedy for about 11 years now um like Monty said I've been all over uh Try to do every time I'm traveling, whether I'm booked or not, I try to do comedy somewhere. So I just love getting on stage, whether I'm paid or not. I mean, maybe we can cut that part out because yeah. I want to be paid. So I just love getting <laughs> on stage and getting paid. Um, what else? Uh, I haven't been doing a lot of comedy in the last like, three months since you know everything shut down. But I got a new puppy and that's good. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about the puppy in a little bit. So this pandemic thing hit. And we've all been kind of like uh, not doing anything. Have, have you guys uh, had opportunity to maybe work on some material or you know, practice up in front of the mirror or anything like that? I've definitely uh, got creative, uh, more current with my comedy. Uh, nothing more funnier than at the moment life situations. Yep. Uh, my writing, I don't do as much writing as I used to because it's natural now because my everyday movement is funny. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So even with the world and what it's going through, it's a lot of things that you see now that are definitely hilarious. Oh, I know. Do you write them down or you just remember them? Uh, I might write down the subject of it, yeah. but and then go from there. Or I can just feel that moment and, and remember to talk really? about it. And it's, it's a great gift to have. And I just love making people laugh. So. Man, it's, it's, it's like superpowers. <laughs> superpowers. I like it. <laughs> Superpower. Super comic. How about you, Ryan? Well, I don't have a gift of uh, memory like Monty does. So, I mean, I used to write things down word for word. And now it's kind of like I just will, you know, I'll say the idea into my phone and maybe later I'll pick up on it. But 
right now I think I lose a lot more funny stuff than I keep. I'll go, like, I'll be driving in the car and be like, oh, that's funny. So I'll say it in my phone. Then I get home and be like, what the hell was I thinking? Like That was funny when I thought it uh, up. Mayonnaise butter knife. Like, what, what is that? <laughs> what? Right. So or how, how about at night when you have a thought and you think, you know, just before you go to sleep, you got, oh, man, you got this great set that you just did. And in the morning, you can't remember what it was, right? I've it happens that. a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. But that's why I have my phone right there. And hopefully most of the time it, um, I can put an idea in there and I can remember it. So... I haven't been in comedy as long as you guys have. So what I do, I, I, you know, I don't stop and write things down is I bought this little recorder and it's like instant on. So if I think of something, I'll just kind of say it into the recorder. And then later on, I'll, I'll, um, I'll be able to transpose it into, into something, but that's cause I'm a lot older than you guys. And I really don't have a good memory. <laughs> so it's like, Oh my God. Oh, the phone serves, serves the same purpose. But again, um, I don't like hearing my voice on recording. So <laughs> as soon as it starts, I'm like, oh, who is that guy? Who I don't is that guy? Him, so. He ain't that funny, <laughs> right? Exactly. So during the pandemic, one of the things that I got to do was a, 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 I did a virtual comedy show. It was all online. Have you guys done that? Yes. Yes. I've done one. Did you? Yeah. So um, tell us your experience. Well, it's, it's hard without the um, audience to play off of. You don't get the laughs. I mean, you kind of, pause such because you've been doing it for a while so you know where you mean to be funny but i mean it's just it's like doing a set in a room full of comics to me it's just yeah. it, it takes away my heart <laughs> that's a good that's a good point i never thought of it that way yeah, yeah. you can reverse that um what i mean by that is if we've already experienced of being in a room full of comics then you should already be comfortable about talking around each other yeah so you kind of got to like look at it as though these are my peers and I can bring forth my comedy and see if it works. Sometimes on the virtual, they'll have it where the comedians laugh and you can hear them as well. And then I've worked on some platforms where under the bottom, they'll have the chat room way pop up. Like I'm on a Bono's comedy stream yard with a Diaz Mackey Monday Night Raw. And uh, under the bottom, you'll see in the chat, LOL, couple smiley faces. So if you glance and see those, it gives you the motivation to continue a little bit. And also don't forget as comedians, we ha also have uh, uh, funny conscience in our minds that are laughing as well. So yeah, cause we've done it. We, we know where the laugh points are yeah. and you hear them in your head, right? Yeah, you know where you mean to be funny. It's, it's just, I think for me, um, even before I start doing comedy, I'm better at playing off a crowd or even another person. Yep. So even when I'm in the mirror, sometimes I'm like, oh, that won't work. I'll do it in the mirror three or four times. I'll be like, that's not going to work. Yep. And then maybe if I got a couple extra minutes in a set, I'll try it. And I'll be like, damn, that worked. That did work after all. Just so because hard it's, on yourself. it's more than me. Yeah, I yeah. think I'm a little hard on myself. But I like what you said, because I, I, I thought I was the only one well, doing that. I call it uh, situational comedy. I, I'm much better when I'm with people. And I play off of something that somebody said, and I'll, I'll think of something funny about something somebody said during a conversation, as opposed to getting up on stage and, and telling stories or whatever. Oh, that's definitely a difference. I know, right? Yeah, it's definitely a difference. It's just, I mean, I don't know. It's like when the first time I did comedy, when the first time I did comedy and I felt the laughter. So the first time I did virtual and the response I got, like say for instance, uh, my cash app was full. Your what? My cash app, because it, it was some virtuals where you was putting the cash app on and then you received the cash app and then you was like, dang, they really enjoyed it because they was like, they would actually come to my show and pay $10 to see me or $5 to see me. And it's just like, 
man, I want to do it again and again and again. So it gets, it gets encouraging. It gets addictive. And you just want to continue to do it. So, like, whatever chance you get a chance to do comedy, whether it's virtual or on stage, and it betters you as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you'd be like, if I could do it in front of virtual people and nobody's laughing or I didn't see them or hear them, and I come and bring it to the stage, it's going to be just off the oh, Richter. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be crazy. Oh, I know. That's that's that, that's good. That's excellent. So I, I, it seems like I wind up talking about this every time we have a, a podcast, but we did a, um, a drive-in comedy show. You guys familiar with that? I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about oh, it was uh, it was really cool. So we're talking about feedback and and audience participation and stuff. And what happened was, um, as as the audience already knows, if you followed us so far, is um, in, instead of applause, well, there was some applause because there were some picnic tables. But everybody's in their cars and uh, they'd be honking their horn or flashing their lights, and that was a different kind of feedback. But it was just as motivating. It was very cool. Now that sounds cool. I like to do something like that. Yeah, I yeah. love to do that. I think I think that's going to become more popular. Um, I'll think about it while we're talking. But there's um, who's the guy that's dating um, um, Gwen Stefani? Who's that? That that who's that guy? Do you guys know Blake Shelton and a bunch of people? They're they're going to start hosting drive-in um, concerts with various artists, and I think that's going to be a, a, a trend of the future. I think with uh this uh the social distancing i mean, I, I i like that people are still wanting entertainment and people are still willing to put it on i just hope it goes back to normal i like i i need i didn't grow up like like this like this whole no. change in the pandemic no. thing is like I, I really wanted to go back to normal and i got i got 15 year old and a 12 year old and they they're itching for it to go back to normal so if i live with it for 42 years i know my 15 and 12 year old are they they they're born and you know they're, I mean, they're, they're not as old as me. And, and I've been going through this um, thing where it's like, where I love comedy. I want to get out and do it more. This, the venues aren't there. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like um, I'm feeling like somebody took my favorite toy away. Really? Yeah. So it's, I want it to go back to normal. I appreciate the drive-in stuff and I would do it definitely. Yeah. And I would do the virtual stuff. I just wish I could just get back on stage in front of 50 people and just, oh, yeah. you know, go at it. Oh yeah, I mean, there's nothing more than nothing more satisfying internally for us than to have the feedback from a live audience, right? Or the heckling, or the the non laughter. It's a, it's still feedback, right? I take a bar full of drunk people. Oh yeah, facing <laughs> that way. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, we've done that. I did that. Oh my god, we did this. Um, we did this Russian restaurant one time, and um, it was noisy, and everybody was talking, and we're still trying to do our our show and. I thought for sure we'd all bombed, but on the way out, everybody said how much they enjoyed it. We didn't even think they were listening to us. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. But, um, well, yeah, so um, let's talk about that. I, I enjoy, every time I interview comics, I always like to, to ask these these questions. So let's, let's do this one. So what was what was the most memorable um, time that you bombed? We'll, we'll start with you, Monty. Oh, man. Indiana. Yeah? Uh, was in the late 90s um uh i got booked for a show as a headliner and i definitely wasn't a headliner had you been a headliner before no wow that's scary so it was it was something challenging for me as well and i decided to have a couple drinks and now i'm not a drinker anymore so <laughs> not because, because of, of that. that not because of that but one of the reasons but um i i 
it was the worst feeling ever. I was doing something with uh, uh, Miss, I think it was his name was uh, Mississippi Mudcat in Indiana in Hiawatha, and I got up and just froze. I, I ended up partying before the show, and I went up and did the show, and I just like just stood there for a second, and people was like, "Are you okay? Or is everything all right, buddy? Come on!" I'm just looking like I I don't know what to do, and I, I walk off, and then. The the host comes back up like no go back up there let's bring him back up and come on. so I go back up there and I do the same thing they're like I told you he sucks and it was just like oh lord and I got booed and I actually had a lady I went outside after that night and, I, and a lady comes up to me and says if you ever come to Indiana with that again I will shoot you <laughs> I was just like really you like are you gonna put a gun on me and it was like ever since then i never wanted to experience that ever again like it was like crazy so i was just like no that was that was the worst feeling it was in the end i'll never forget it but i think we've all had that where we you know you're ready to go and then you get out there and you freeze for just a second we've all done that and i think the the mark of a professional comic is you just kind of that's a fleeting thought and you just move on right yeah, but I was under an influence of alcohol, well, so, so it was like it was a total different change. So I was just like, "No, this like is, this is not happening." How so about, how about you, Ryan? Um, I'm not gonna count the first time I went up. I think the first time I went up, I was kind of set up. I was uh, I went up last after like a really good headliner. Yeah, the the host just put me up. He was like, "Oh yeah, I'm, the whole show was like, I'm gonna get you up. I'm gonna get you up," and so. He put the headliner up, and then he was like, wait, before y'all leave, we got a new guy. And so, yeah, he put me up, and people were walking out on my set. But that was the first time I went up, and it was that was bad. But uh, I was at a, a place called uh, Liquid Laughs in uh, uh, Boise, Idaho. And I was the feature, and then I was supposed to be the host of the after party. And I bombed, like I did, I was supposed to do 15 minutes and I think I did like eight and I just cut it short. And it was, I, they, they didn't boo, but when I said, my name is Ryan Cole, y'all have a great night. Somebody was like, thank God. <laughs> and then I had to go after the headliner, I had to go back out there and be the, the host of the party. And they gave me a wireless mic, told me to go mingle in the crowd, announce what was going on next. Nobody wanted to listen to me. And like I felt this small, <laughs> so they sent you out to to mingle with the audience. Yeah, ooh. So you should have said, "Well, that wasn't me. That was some other guy." So that was that was in 2013 or 14, really? I believe. So yeah, that was that was a bad experience because I had to after I bombed, I had to spend three hours with the with the oh, crowd who had just and they didn't let you forget it. did No, nah, not no, at all. Not at all. So okay, so on the other side of that coin, let's let's um let's let's kind of maybe get a little insight on your best the best night that you had let's start with you ryan all right um what's the one that's most memorable that sticks out in your mind trying to think um that's good i had a lot of good nights um there was a uh, who was the comedian michael uh collier uh came here he did a show over at uh um luna lounge mm -hmm. and uh uh, he, you know, uh, I went up, uh, I went up, I usually go, I, I don't mind going up first when the comics are all sitting, sitting around, who's going to go up first. I always volunteer to go up first. I don't have a problem with that. Set the bar. Yeah. So I went up first, two other comedians went up Then Michael Carr, went up, destroyed the place. He came out, walked through all the other, uh, comics and he was like, Hey, you, you funny. And, uh, I just, 
it was it was it was a really good experience because I mean everybody there. Like I'm not afraid to say this is how I go dressed everywhere, t-shirt and jeans. Every everybody else was pretty much dressed up. They were in their best, and I'm married, but it was just a thing for him to walk through the crowd and put all the attention on me. And like girls were in the short skirts and the titties popping out there. Can I say that everywhere? Nah, you can't say that. You can't say titties. All right, okay. <laughs> the hebrestasis popping out everywhere. Put all their attentions on me. You know, just for a second and. You know, I just felt like the you know big man in the crowd for a second. For a second, but that's so. pretty cool, though, right? Yeah, real yeah. cool. So I want to go back to what you talked about. the The first thing you said about going up after the headliner. What host would do that to a new comic? Diaz Mackey. Oh, <laughs> Diaz Mackey did that to you? Yeah. That was, first time I went up was in uh, 2009, and I went the week before. He was like, "I'm gonna get you up. I'm gonna get you up." He didn't get me up, so I went the next week. He was like, okay, I'm going to get you up this week. I'm going to get you up. This whole show was over. And as he was announcing that uh, the show was over, he was like, oh, wait, we got one more person. Oh, no. So, yeah. I haven't seen Diaz for a long time. I worked with him over at uh, Tickle Me Comedy Club a few few weeks. But I haven't seen him forever. I yeah. have to look him up. But he did that to you. That's funny. But I always give him credit, man. First guy ever put me on stage in Vegas. And, um, I mean, I really still appreciate it. Since then, we traveled together and done different shows. But, yeah, that's that's my first memory of Diaz putting me up after Jay Reed and Delay. How cool is that? That's the first guy put me on too in Vegas. DJ uh, yeah. Diaz Mackey. Yeah, really. Diaz showed real love to Vegas. You know, big shout out to Diaz. Yeah, Mackey. exactly. I hope to see him soon too. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen him for a while. He's really he's really been a help to Vegas as far as comedy. He has. Yeah. So, um, and I've told the story before, but it's it's kind of fun. So, so sometimes audiences like you have a big audience and they're not responding and so i mean what do you do if you got let's say you have 100 people in the audience and they're not responding and you know your stuff is funny because you've used it before what do you what do you do uh, you do crowd work you go out and try to touch somebody in the crowd you always have one or two three people focus before you even do comedy like before you even hit the stage you should go around the room and look and pick out at least two or three people. They're like your to-go-to people just in case. To pick on, yep. Not exactly okay. pick on, but you can just get some kind of involvement or feedback yeah. out of them. If you even ask them a question or if you notice a married couple and you just say, you know how long you've been married and you go into that lane and then hopefully it'll open the door up for the next joke to come out and then everyone is back on to you. Yeah. So you have to have crowd work. If there's, there's something, a lot of people don't speak about in comedy. You have to have it, but it doesn't have to be used all the time. It should be, yeah, it should be used situational and be a part of helping you when you're in the jam. It's just, it's just how it should be. In an earlier podcast, somebody said, and I had never heard this before, and I haven't been doing comedy near as long as you guys have, and this experience hasn't happened to me yet, I'm sure it will, but um, some headliners don't like you to, to do any crowd work because then it kind of takes away from their oomph I've never heard that yet. I haven't. I haven't had a chance to work with any headliners to give me any guidelines of such, but I've heard as well as you have. But I haven't had that. You know, they say go do your thing, and it's just like, I know, I know my respects upon another comedian. Sure. You know, what I'm saying I'm not gonna try to outdo anybody. I'm just going to do just enough to give you, and I don't want to step on. Like I can know my headliners' material. And I can know what situations not to touch. I have a lot of people who go up before me and they know I talk about certain things and they'll go on those subjects and talk about really? them. 
but that you're going to come up and but talk what they don't know is i have a magic briefcase that i'm gonna keep holding on just in case when you do touch that or i don't want to listen before the show and when i come on and if the audience hear familiar material i'm gonna try to make sure that my material is 10 times more powerful right. than what you told yeah that's always awkward too when a comedian that's on before you talks about something you're going to talk and you know that that's probably one of your best things that you talk about and then what do you do you got to make like a real-time change and kind of put a different twist on it right that's why it's always good to have material from personal experiences yeah. because nobody can do you like you that's right but to your um your first question um i don't know if you got like a, a huge crowd full of people i use this technique that i've always used it's called either um go over their heads or go to the back of the room. Because if you have 10 rows of people, the best way to get their attention is to go to the 11th row. When everybody turns around and then gives their attention back to you, they can't talk and do that at the same no, time. That's a good point, so, that's excellent, I never thought of that. Yeah, just go over, the, go over their heads and bring in the attention from the back to the front. Um, what was the other thing you would, oh, the, so when the, um, like I do, I did a lot of shows with uh, Edwin San Juan over at uh, Planet Hollywood, and I know his material. And a lot of things we touch on the same, but what I made sure that I've done when I work with him is I'll take my material, like I'll start up here at nine or 10 and I'll stay at nine or 10, but maybe two or three minutes before I'm about to bring him on, I'll go down to five. I'll talk, to, I'll talk about something that there's, everybody knows about something really general, something that's funny. I know that it'll get a laugh, but it's not going to kill the room. And then once I do that, then I'm free to bring him up. And it's kind of like, and the way that I bring him up, um, with the with the intro as far as his all his credits and the way that i say his name and elongate his last name it's almost like it's a whole new show now yeah. so i don't like I, I i try not to like maybe dumb down my material stay away from different subjects but i know that before you know somebody else is about to come on i can kind of bring the energy level down a little bit and let them pick it yeah, up so because you know he's going to bring it right back up again so right. instead of leaving way up here you leave them down so they can come back up again. That's, that's a cool philosophy. I like that. That's pretty cool. So I always like to tell this story too. So audiences are, they're, they are like fickle. They're really, they're interesting. So one night, a few months ago, we did, uh, we did back-to-back uh, shows. And uh, first night we had an audience of about a hundred people and they were like, nobody was engaged. And so the next night we all did the same show, but there were only five people in the audience. And it was like the best show ever. These people, it was, it was, we didn't want to stop because they were so engaged and it was, I mean, they were, they were great for only five people. So that's, that's kind of something I'm learning too, is, is the audiences are really different, right? Think? Yeah. I mean, I don't want, I mean, I, I've, I've done shows in front of, you know, general type audiences where you might see on the strip where it's a different audience every night. Or that urban crowd where, you know, I've done a lot of shows in, in North Las Vegas. Now, the thing about people in urban in the urban crowd, and I'll just say predominantly black, is they don't want to see the same show every time. Like, they'll listen to the same Whitney Houston song 350 times in a row. But when it comes to seeing a comedian, they might have their favorite jokes, but they don't want to see the same, same you know. thing. Every night, right? So uh, that's where I get got a lot of my crowd working skills from is because after the second, third time, you know, a few of the same groups of audience audience members have seen the show you know they want to see something else you know and you can feel that so really yeah. so the same same people are coming back night after night right well yeah like yeah you do a weekly show a lot of a lot of the same people come back yeah yeah tell us about that i want to j- jump into that you do some hosting 
right? Yes. Right. Um, well, like I said, I hosted at uh, Planet Hollywood with Edwin San Juan for a long time. Before that, I hosted at um, the L.A. Comedy Club. I think I did two and a half years straight when they were at Valley's every Sunday night. Um, I don't think I ever missed a show. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, I love hosting. Uh, I, I especially love hosting when you can get a different crowd. Every it's just the, I, I believe that the the new crowd brings out the new energy in me. So, I, I can do all my favorite jokes over and over. There you go. And the the only thing that does is it doesn't give you a chance to kind of try a whole bunch of new stuff because you know what works at that point. So you might slip a new one in every now and then, but when you only have five minutes to, at the beginning of a show, then you got to bring somebody up and you got two minutes in between each comic or something like that. And you are the one responsible for keeping the energy going. You know, you got to, you got to go with what works a lot of times. I, I, uh, that's one of the areas that I haven't really worked too much in yet is hosting. I, I've done it a couple of times and, and, uh, it's a scary thing because you're you're like you say you're responsible for keeping the flow of the show going, keeping the energy level up, and if you have a comic that's not doing as well, and you've got to kind of go in and fill them for them and bring the level back up, yeah, it's hard. I'm going to try to get some more experience with that if we ever get out of this pandemic thing, right? And that goes with the saying of the crowd situation when you were talking about bigger crowd to versus a smaller crowd. The hosting position is the the key to all that, whether it's big or small. So, it's, man, it's like, man, so I applaud you for being there. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of hosting as well. I've also hosted my own shows. You know, I've, I've done uh, Tickle Me Tuesdays out here in Las Vegas. I've also, before I even got to Las Vegas, I was hosting at Wiley's Comedy Club in Dayton, Ohio, Joker's Comedy Club. I did hosting there. Uh, I also had the show Crackling Wednesday out here in Las Vegas. So I, I know how to host it as well. And this it's a very good, great job. You, you should try that out because it also helps you come up with more better material and it can just, you can get the crowd back into the, the comedy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on that. I've done it a couple of times. It wasn't, was my, my, uh, my favorite thing to do. So, but I have to do it. So um, the, the experiences you guys have have kind of motivated me. I think that that'll be a, one of my challenges for you. I can see you doing it. I, 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 you got it, man. You got to be. To your point, though, I think that hosting is probably, I think it's the easiest job to me. Well, to me it is yeah. because you get a chance, you get do-overs. Yeah. 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 You don't have to be, all you have to do is really keep the crowd interested. You don't have to be the headliner. You don't have nope. to um, be the funniest guy on the show. You just got to keep the energy going and keep the crowd interested. And if you do bad, you get to come back out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. do over. Yeah. Cause right. you always want to go. You'd be like, dang, I had a bad second. I, I can't. I got to come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Once you, Especially if you work in the weekend, you're like, man, I had a bad night. I got to come back on tomorrow and I got to do this. But the host, he's correct. You got to, you get a chance to do a do over. And that's, that's the good part of being that's, a host. That's a good point. A do over. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Cause you're coming up between all the comics. And so if you, in the last two minutes that you had, it's like, oh, I can fix that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so there's a, um, I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> oh, let's see. Oh, let's talk about this one. Okay. So in, in the, in the middle of this pandemic thing that's going on and I hate to, I apologize for reading it, but I didn't memorize it. So in the middle of this pandemic, uh, they're selling beans. Chris Cuomo slammed Trump on CNN over hawking the, the Goya brand. You guys up to speed on what happened with Goya? No, I'm definitely not. Not okay. really. No. I'll give you a kind of quick. Goya is a is a, a large food uh, retailer, 
and they do a lot of Hispanic kinds of foods, and it's a big multi-billion dollar company. And so last week, uh, the, Trump was doing a, a, a rose garden thing, and the CEO of Goya came up there, and um, he, he, he thanked the president and all that kind of stuff. And so the backlash was, um, they're all saying that they want to boycott Goya to kind of cancel this guy out, right? So what happened was, also, Trump cracks me up, I tell you. So at the White House, on the on the Resolute desk that he has in his office, he's got all these Goya canned foods packed up on it. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So that's where it came from, was because the the the, uh, the the other side had wanted to to boycott Goya, and so here's the president doing that. So then what what the what the trending thing was is that uh, Cuomo, the CNN host, uh, whatever his name is, um, Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo. Thanks. Yeah. I couldn't. I was going to say the other his brother's name. But um, so Chris Cuomo was blasting the president for doing that. And I, I mean, I don't know, it's it's kind of gotten out of hand. Um, this whole I, I kind of hope it would just kind of all get over with. Don't you guys? This is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> I mean, like is is the CNN is is clearly I'm, I'm not getting political because I'm not that much of a political person. But CNN clearly has an agenda. I mean, when every story is. Trump bad coronavirus. Trump bad coronavirus. Trump bad. You know, yeah. it gets it gets to be. It's like, okay, why are you, this is? And I'm sure there's other news going on in the world over food. Man, come on, like, <laughs> like the CEO of Goya can align his company with anyone or any party who he feels like, and he shouldn't have to be canceled for it. No, and I agree. This whole thing is is out of it's way out of out of focus. It's out of control, and we just kind of. We need, everybody needs to like take a deep breath. My wife says when I get really frustrated or something, she says, "Take a deep breath. You'll be okay." So I think that's kind of what we need to do. And, and I'm not political either. And it's like you kind of watch it. And I, I'm thinking, <laughs> all right. So I'm thinking that everything that we do gets transmitted into outer space, right? Right. So all these TV broadcasts, all these radio signals, and everything are being broadcast out to outer space. So think if you're a, a civilization on another planet somewhere and you see this stuff and you're going, "Oh my God, we're not going there." Those people are way out of control. It is right. must-see TV, though. Yeah. Or it's like watching the Jeffersons. <laughs> yeah. They're probably in space right now thinking like, oh, this is just like the Jeffersons. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Think about how they... <laughs> we aren't going there, right? <laughs> I guess if, um, if Trump wants to be aligned with Goya, I mean, he can still build a wall, just make a drive-through window. There you, know? you go. That's good. I like it. Make a drive-through. What would you like? I'd like some Goya. <laughs> That's good, right? Yeah. I knew a girl named Goya. Did you really? Yeah, that's why I was like, hold on, is her name on the paper? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, you'll, you'll like this one. So our next one is, this is a really good one. So nearly, um, it says here, nearly 5,000 Americans tried to enter Canada for shopping and recreation during the pandemic. <laughs> that's, why? <laughs> nearly 5,000 Americans? Yeah, out of the 350 million. Right, that's like... A day of wedding wild, like that's daily. Uh, that's a, that's a news story now. I guess it was trending. That's I what mean, the that's I know, what our folks gave. I know us. the borders closed now, but I mean, I'm sure Listen, there's just, like it's fifty thousand Americans that go over the border and back every I know, day. They, they commute. They come this way. They go that way. But I, I just thought it was funny. Canada a, going to Canada. It's a store for shopping. They should have said try to enter Las Vegas. <laughs> 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 I've seen five thousand people try to come to Vegas. I get people call me all the time, man. What's going on in Vegas? Everything, man. It's still rolling. Come I think on. it's funny just how they make a story out of like regular stuff. They should have just said nearly five thousand Americans, you know, went out and exercised. Today. Day, like, yeah. 
Because we got a border that's damn near 3,000 miles long. So how many, I don't know how many border checkpoints there are, but. That's a good point. (laughs) Why would, and why the number 5,000? That's like a drop in the bucket. It's like, you know, I don't don't know. That's not enough. It should be a little bit more. Yeah. Nearly so, 5,000 Americans tried to get over to Tijuana for the weekend, too. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> for the show. Uh, Tijuana, you guys ever had this happen? You go there with friends, and, and uh, the tequila guy turns you upside down and pours tequila in you and shakes you on your, by your feet. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. That. Every time I take somebody new down I hope to that's Tijuana. real tequila. I don't oh. think so. I think they water it down. I think it's just for effect. Watered down with what? Uh, tequila. 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 <laughs> it's a little lemon water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. So what do you think about the 5,000 Americans that went over the, Man, the border for shopping? Uh, I know. What were they shopping for? Canadian bacon? Uh, nah, you know, it was a shortage of toilet paper, so they probably, like, went to get barrels and barrels of toilet paper so they could sell on the corner. Because everything in Canada is, comes in barrels. When <laughs> <laughs> well, you think it's so sold just, in Canada, you think barrels. Just barrels of toilet paper. So it's like, let's bring it back because we're going to run out soon. And we're going to make a sale as possible. Because, I mean, when you think of Canada, you don't think, the, you know, I don't think I, shopping like that ain't no. the shopping capital of the world. I, I think when I, I think I of Canada, how many stores is it? Three. Two? <laughs> <laughs> There's an El Polo local there now. Um, every time I think of Canada, I think back. I, I I was a big Johnny Carson fan. Watched Johnny Carson every every night. And so this one thing he said after the the first uh, Iraqi war, after the first invasion, he goes, "Oh, I want to thank the Canadians for loaning us their tank." <laughs> their tank, just one, one tank. tank. That was it. That's all they loaned us was their Kaboom. tank. Kaboom! I know, right? <laughs> okay, we're done. Kaboom. We're done. We're done. Eh? Eh? But um, give so, us thirty minutes. <laughs> we got to reload. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like it. So I, I, I think you guys said. So you were born and raised here in Vegas, right? Yes, I was. And you probably saw some some awesome changes in the last. Yeah, I mean, I think back to, I mean, I, I grew up in North Las Vegas, and there was a time where if you know the town, there was nothing north of Cheyenne. Um, yeah. I believe uh, it was around like 85, 86 is the first time I ever seen any lights north of, of Cheyenne yeah. Avenue. So, or was it Avenue Road, whatever the hell it is. And I mean, like Vegas really literally, I mean, it is kind of that way now, but Vegas literally like, in the 80s and early 90s was sectioned off by color like all of the black people were in the north and the west side really? all of the white people were in uh in the south or uh, east going toward henderson hispanics were kind of like mingling in here and there really but it, it, it wasn't a lot and then all of a sudden it's like in the mid 90s things just changed there was a building explosion not ex- nothing blew up like it exploded like that but building like construction exploded and like things just just became if you thought there was a lot of money flowing through vegas in the 50s 60s 70s in the 90s man it it really happened it really went yeah how about how about how about you how long have you been in vegas i've only been in vegas for 11 years but i've seen change since i've been here um i've always saw change on the strip or on the outside of las vegas especially on the strip 
as far as every three months there was something different. Either the business was selling or something was being built. This is one building I can't wait till they finish. It's right next door to the Riviera. I don't know who owns it or what's going on. It's no sign or nothing, but it's been there since I've got here. Yeah, the, that's where the old Wet and Wild used to be. The original. Oh, it was that's a, right, oh, right across the street from Circus real? Circus. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like wondering, like, what is? It's beautiful, whatever it's going to be. But I'm like. Come on now, it's like, come on, what can we do with this building? Like, I can at least put the homeless in there by right now. So. I'm sure they're there so, already. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, I, I see a change here. Um, so from him saying from the 80s to the stoplights and the streetlights and all that situation, like, that's kind of crazy how Vegas have expanded and, and got bigger i can see it getting even more because when you're going towards california you see all this land and i'm like every time i ride by i'll be like i just want to buy a lot i just i even heard that uh summerlin is trying to get their own township now are they really yeah so like maybe 20 25 years summerlin will be like the new henderson it'll just have their it'll be summerlin nevada you know not even las vegas anymore wow that's interesting i want to go back to something you said about about exploding Uh uh-huh there was an explosion here in the mid 80s were you here yeah. So there was a um, Pepcon. I, Pepcon. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and for the audience that I, I probably told the story before, but I'll, it's worth sharing again. So I retired from NASA, and so um, after the first shuttle incident, um, NASA forgot to turn off the contract for making rocket fuel, and Pepcon here was was making it. And in those days, like you say, there was nothing. There was nothing between like Henderson, the old Henderson, and Vegas. The strip is just all open, and the Pepcon plant was there. And so NASA forgot to turn off the contract, and they just kept stockpiling all this <laughs> rocket fuel. And that stuff, it's, in, it's very volatile, right? So apparently one day somebody was welding, and they threw a, a, a burning rag into a garbage can, and it caught fire. And if you guys ever get a chance to see that video, YouTube it. It's Pepcon um, uh, rocket fuel explosion. It blew out windows on Black Mountain, which is like four or five Ooh, miles yeah. away. So the Pepcon plant used to be where the, um, the auto mall is. Yeah. in Henderson. And uh, if you ever get a chance to, to see that video, it is awesome. The worst part of that tragedy, well, besides the person dying, that was always a tragedy. But the real tragedy was that the marshmallow plant next door got blown up too. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you know, that was that was like a travesty, right? But, was it like Puff Marshmallow Company or something? Yeah, something like, like that. But poof, gone. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was really bad. So like, was it marshmallows like all over the street? Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters <laughs> blowing up, right? right. Marshmallows you know, like, oh my god, that's pretty funny. So, I mean, we we talking about all this stuff. You used to work for NASA. Let's talk about you. Yeah, <laughs> like, about is the Earth what? flat, man? I want to know. Uh, I don't know. Like, What's on the dark side of the moon? Like, we want to know all the real good stuff. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, you see, you can't tell us nothing. It's pretty. He's looking over his shoulder. Like, it's pretty cool. Sir, don't talk about that. <laughs> I was getting that's that's really funny. Anytime you say you work for NASA, automatically they think you're like a rocket scientist or somebody really right. brilliant. I am not. <laughs> so <Right>. um but <laughs> I did the laundry on the space suits. <laughs> yeah. I, I cleaned up the space shuttle after the flight. <laughs> that would like be a good attendant. job. I would yeah. love to have that. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I did get to fly the space shuttle simulator. Okay. And uh, it, it was really cool. I, I, I was I just watching the Armstrong uh yeah, really? the other day. Yeah, yeah. that was it's crazy that you said that. Yeah, that's so funny. That was, that was pretty he interesting. He was an amazing guy. Yeah. But there, you know, there's a lot of people. I had a comedian on a couple of weeks ago that was kind of like a conspiracy theorist. And he says that whole that whole moon landing thing was faked. And he had justification for it. And, okay, whatever. But um, 
Yeah. So I think I think what I like to say, this is a funny story. So. All right. So just before I retired, the president came to give us a to give us a a pep talk. Right. And to announce that he was going to have a manned mission to the sun. And so the director says, well, sir, we can't go to the sun. We'll burn up. And the president says, nope, we're going at night. <laughs> yeah, that's not a true story, but I mean, <laughs> but it was good a luck, buddy. <laughs> good luck. Hold your breath. Um, but yes, yeah, NASA was an amazing, amazing experience. It was so cool. I got to do all kinds of stuff. But um, aliens, everybody thinks that there's aliens, right? And they always ask you. The first thing that people ask is, is are there aliens? And I always answer with, well, one out of four people is alien. So if you're out to dinner with three other people, one of you ain't from here. Right. <laughs> See how he avoided that question, though? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I believe it. I believe there's aliens out here. I mean, if they are, they peaceful. They ain't bothering nobody, I hope. I mean, I can't, I, I can't identify what they look like, but, I mean, if they are out here, I believe there's a, some kind of oh, spirit seen. is running around. Or, you, you guys know, ever so- have an encounter? No, I haven't. I've I've seen some weird stuff in the sky before, though. I have really seen. Wait, but you told us like, earlier you were drunk. No, this was be this was after the fact of, of not drinking. I haven't had a drink in over nine years now. So I've really I look at the sky a lot, mm-hmm. and I've seen some weird little things. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've been. I had an encounter, but I was little, so who knows if it was my imagine imagination or what, but. Um, I remember driving down Fremont Street when you can actually drive down Fremont mm-hmm. Street. I was with my uncle and he just said, look at those dudes up in the air. <laughs> just my uncle talking. And I looked up and it was like it looked like a the best way I could describe it is like a glowing shot glass in the air. Like it was there and then it was moving west. It, it wasn't a plane. And my uncle, he almost crashed into the median and uh, he stopped. We looked back like there was other cars that were stopped and looking up. And it just kept heading west, and it went out of view. It was on the news really? the next day. It was like something in the sky over Vegas. Wow! But yeah, it was really high, and it looked like a like a glowing shot glass. Is all I could. How so cool! That was it. How old were you? I had to be about six. Mm-hmm. No, my uncle died when I was eight, so I had to be about five, five or six. And you recall it pretty vividly? Yeah, I remember because this is when you could. So be he a, didn't really give you a jello shot. Either. No, I didn't give <laughs> you. You was a kid. You, just, you had a jello shot. You didn't have the jello pudding <laughs> pop. The juice, juice box shot. <laughs> give him one of them jello shots, Sandy. He gave you a jello shot. You know. I remember this because this was when when I was young. I'm old, people, so I'm not gonna say how old oh, I am. No, no, no. But when I was young. Like a five-year-old could ride in the front seat with no seat belt, and you wouldn't get in trouble. So that's how I remember me looking out of the front windshield yeah. and looking up at this thing just traveling through the skies. Embrace getting old, though. I don't want to state that to oh, people, I'm, I'm not saying nothing negative I, about it. I'm 47, by the way. I have no fault of saying that. Life is the new rich. I keep saying that, pushing that out to people because I want them to just, just embrace what, what you got going on. Man. Ryan, you aren't old. I am old. I remember dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> riding him to school. <laughs> he said riding him to school. He was like, so, oh, his last name is Asaurus. <laughs> Asaurus. Check Asaurus. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, 
But uh, you guys ever gone out to Area 51? No, I would love to. I would love to also. I drive past it when I'm going to Utah. But yeah, I want to go in the daytime though. Don't go. Uh, you can't go out there now, can you? You can't go out there anytime. No, you can't go out there. Period. Oh, for real? No. Oh, so I, all the movies I've been watching, people going to Area 51. I thought that was some serious thing. That thing last year when people were going to storm Area 51 right. until all the guys were there with the the machine guns going. No, you ain't. Oh shoot! I thought you could ride out there. No, you like work for NASA. Have daytime. you ever been there? Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, um, what we did do one Rub time. Rub your right eyebrow if you've been there. <laughs> but what we did one time is, is my wife and I, we, um, we, we had a coupon. We rented a Mustang convertible, right? So let's go to Area 51, see how far we can get. So we went to the little town of Rachel where they, they have the Alien Inn and the souvenir store and all that kind of stuff. And then in order to find the, the, the gate for Area 51, you got to go down this dirt road about eight miles and well, you find this mailbox on the side of the highway, and then you follow this dirt road for about eight miles. And then all of a sudden you get to this this big fence with an open gate, and there's these signs on it that says deadly force authorized. And so my wife says, Well, can't we just go inside there and turn around and come back out? Uh no. And then I pointed out the the, the blacked out vans that were all around on the little the hills. So that was my experience for Area 51. Well, when I first got to Vegas, I thought Area 51 was on Craig and now. <laughs> <laughs> Craig and Dallas. <laughs> when, I, when I got to Craig and Dallas, and I was just like, "Oh my God, Area Fifty One!" I was. Just... <laughs> but do that sometime. Take that drive out there. It's pretty cool. Um, so how close to can you get? Thirty miles. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm low on gas right now. You tell me <laughs> go out into the desert. Yeah. I got a bad it, radiator. It took me time to go to the mountain. It was. Like, I took a. A girl was trying to take me to a mountain on uh, Lake Mead. So if you go straight up Lake Mead, it goes up into this mountain. And then when we started going up in there, and I didn't see no street lights. It was so dark. And I was just like, nah, it ain't worth it. So, yeah. I around. so that's why I was like in the daytime. Like, you got to take me in the daytime. Yeah, I should take you up there and keep I do the this. desert at night. Does this break smell like ether? Right. No, 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 no. Yeah, I saw a video of uh, a guy had a, um, I guess he parked at the gate and he was trying to get a drone, but I guess they have drones, like anti drone drones. So, like, if you. Uh, they do? Yeah, you send a drone over the gate, then they got to. They got people no, no. controlling drones that'll take your drone out. So you got drones. So if you look it up <laughs> on YouTube, up Area Fifty One drone video, and his drone is just flying, and all maybe it could be a hoax, but then yeah. all of a sudden it just goes black, and he's like, my well, drone, "That's weird. My drone is gone. His drone got abducted. Yeah. <laughs> Took his drone." <laughs> yeah, there's some, uh, you know, there's some weird stuff that happens out there. I'm sure, but on the good side, on the on the positive side of it. They come up with some incredible technology. You know these 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 new fighters that we have that are stealthy and they have these incredible maneuverability. Things. Love the F twenty two man. Oh, That's my I know. Is that the coolest? Yeah. You know what I learned just recently? I think I knew this before, but I forgot it because I'm old. And I'm getting magnesia, and um, <laughs> so the pilot wears this really cool helmet with this visor, and everything that displays on the instrument panel displays exactly. inside on his visor, and so they have cameras all over the airplane. So when he looks down, he looks right through the airplane. Right. Isn't that the coolest? Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And and so um, we had a briefing once when they were still in development. But when the pilot gets his mission, it comes on a, on a DVD. And so when he gets in the airplane, he plugs in the DVD, and it programs the whole mission for him. Mm. And he doesn't have to. He just sits there. 
and the, the airplane just goes off and does it all by itself. It's I just cool. hope they don't come up with the flying cars. I'm, that's the only thing. Don't I don't think that should ever happen. No, that, it hasn't happened yet because it can't. They're making them. They're saying they're making them, but I just hope no one. That's, that's it. No. Like Uber, the drone cars. Where oh, you call for? Is that what you're talking about? No. Fly. Fly. Where you just in the sky going? What like would you I, use for propulsion, though? I mean, mm. I can feel a lot. Like, they're already into the robot things that's coming out right now. So it's like... The autonomous cars? The, the technology oh, yeah. is advanced, man. They, they're probably further than that. I'm sure they are. And, but I just don't want the cars. I think the cars would be the worst. Do you really? That, yeah, that was, I, I, it would be the worst ever. You talk about depopulating the planet. That would even if Even if you put it on autopilot, I think it would just be the worst. <laughs> it would be the worst thing. Congestion. Oh, man. It would be worse. It, I, I hope they don't ever get to do that. So tying cars and space together. I, the, the Elon Musk story. Do you guys know about him launching his Tesla into space? I know he's planning a trip to Mars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good series, by the way. It's on the Discovery Channel. He's planning on launching his car into space? He did it. With a person in it? Well, it's a mannequin. And his Tesla convertible. You can look it up on. I think I've seen that. You can look it up on YouTube. I I just, I don't know why. It just cracks me up every time I think about it. So he launched his, his shiny red Tesla convertible into space. And in the driver's seat is this mannequin in a spacesuit waving. And so its mission is to go orbit the sun and then go back out into the solar system. So I think sometime in October or November, it's going to make its first, it's already went around the sun and it's going to uh, come flying by the earth at about 34,000 miles an hour. It still got paint? Yeah. Space it jump. has paint on yeah. it. From, from so it's kind of tumbling through space. <laughs> yeah. It's just out there for the, until the batteries died, it had a, a camera that oh. you could go on YouTube and you can see the space guy out there. Well, couldn't you have a solar camera? A um, solar power? Yeah, I don't know. Probably so. Yeah, that would have been but, smart, huh? Um, they should have got you. You should, you should have. <laughs> they should get you. But, um, so, I, so you're supposed to be able to see this thing fly through the sky with the naked eye. It's going to be pretty far away from Earth, but if you know where it is, you should be able to see it fly by. I'm excited about that. I'm going to go out there and watch that. That's, That's that'll be cool, right? Weird, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> think about this. So my, my comedic mind, I'm thinking... So maybe in like 50,000 years when some alien culture sees this Tesla flying through space, some little alien kid's going to go, oh, that's a 2017 Tesla. <laughs> I mean, they do exist. <laughs> Man. Yeah. We need to get that. I yeah, need to catch put that, that on eBay. <laughs> yeah. eBay, eBay. That's good. So, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So, um, so what else do you guys want to talk about? Anything happening with you? Got any shows coming up that you're after this pandemic thing goes or anything? I've had shows canceled every week. How how did that go? So all of us had stuff planned and then all of a sudden it's, we're under house arrest. Right. I've had, I had shows, I had a whole two weeks lined up in May. Mm. Of course that didn't go off and then everything chilled out for June. Then I had another few shows lined up for this month. Um, I forget where they were with, uh, the, at the grand and then, uh, with, uh, John Hilder. And it just seems like the shows just keep on. They just keep pushing them yeah. further and further out. First, it was the casinos. You couldn't have shows there. Then they moved it on to bars. And so who knows now? I don't now know what bars are shut now. I know. That's, you got bars that, that you only allow a certain amount of people in there. Um, I I have too much lined up. Uh, I was doing something with the Laugh Lounge. I've been working with them for the past couple of months before the pandemic. And they were just moving into, uh, um, what was that? Uh, what is that on Craig? Uh, 
little casino over there. Um, the, the cannery? The cannery. They cannery? were moving into the cannery. So they were coming from Blue Martini to the cannery. So I was doing something with them. And I was also getting into my acting skills. So mm -hmm. I did a movie last year with uh, Hazel Films, Marlon Money. And uh, they just released the movie about two months ago called BMO CMO Take on Las Vegas. What's it called? BMO CMO okay. Takes on Las Vegas. Very funny, man. Is it really? If you go online, you can find that on hazelfilms.com and you can purchase the movie. It's on DVD. Uh, it's not on social media or uh, anything else, but how cool. I've, I've also done like more than 14 shows on the internet. So really, that's just been fun and I'm kind of getting used to it. So yeah, we can go back and forth. And I want, like I said, we want to do dry thing, drive through yeah, things. So, so that was a blast actually. To be it's something we want to do. Yeah. And where, where, where did you guys do that at? The, the we did it over by uh, by the Raider Stadium at uh, Freshwater Studios, okay. and they have a, a giant. It's in the industrial complex, and so um, they set up uh, in the parking lot. They have a giant parking lot right where all the truck loading docks are. Uh -huh. They put all the parked all the cars and the and the, um, and the picnic tables. We had a a food truck. We had a full bar. And uh, the proceeds, a lot of the proceeds went to a charity. I can't recall what the charity was, but a lot of it went to a charity. And it was pretty cool. So um, we had a good time. I couldn't get on the stage, so we had to come up with a, another plan. They, when they put the stage up, they didn't know that I was going to be one of, the, one, of the, one, of the, one of the comics. And so the stage was between the two, between two loading dock doors. And so we brainstormed it for a bit and came up with um, uh, that I would just kind of be behind one of the doors and they roll it up when it was my turn. And it, it turned out really cool. It's great ad lib. So they're making a um, they're, they're making a documentary out of out of that comedy show. Oh really? And it's going to wind up on uh, on either YouTube or um, Amazon Prime. So it's in post production now, and and it, when it comes out, we'll let everybody know. But that was a lot of fun. So do that if you guys get a chance to do one of those drive-in comedy things. It, it it's different, and it, it's just a whole different approach. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to try to do something like that. It's interesting to to, to see what. All the jokes are going to be about once we come out of this pandemic thing. There's going to be coronavirus oh, yeah. joke after coronavirus. Oh, joke. yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you my joke I made up? Sure. Okay. I've done it before, so the <laughs> audience has to bear with me. So, so you know, I'm a grandfather. I got this 12-year-old grandson, and he comes to me one day, and he goes, Grandpa, he says, I got a girlfriend, his first girlfriend. I go, oh, that's pretty cool. He goes, yeah. He says, we were out behind the bleachers, and I got to first base. I thought, I don't want to hear any more of this. He goes, I go, what do you mean by first base? He says, yeah, I got her mask off. <laughs> that's what's up. that's my favorite joke that's my favorite pandemic joke so far i, I was that. working on one and uh i was talking about my friend how he got uh the mexican coronavirus and i was like this is relentless man it can come across water over walls <laughs> everything but i was like you know i got that african-american coronavirus but you don't have to worry because it don't work it don't <laughs> work it's okay it don't work that's good yeah. so that's what i'm working on now so um, all right, so just before we end here, you guys have anything else you want to share with the audience or anything like that? So, okay, anything? Nothing. No, I'm good. Cool. <laughs> so, how can we? Uh, how can the audience find you guys? Uh, uh, you can find me on all social media at Monte Cruz. That's M O N T E C R E W S, not U Z. 
So you can find me on all social media that way. I put it that way because that's the way I want it on my check. And that's how I can use my ID and get all the cash I can get. Send your checks to Monte Cruz. (laughs) Right. Uh, That's the same way on my cash app, except add 937. But you can find me on all social media at Monte Cruz. How about you? Um, Ryan Cole on Facebook. uh, Comedian Ryan Cole on Instagram. And Ryan Cole, the comedian on uh, Twitter. So got those ryan cole is r-y-a-n-c-o-l-e phone the front phone the back yep there you go i like it so that's kind of brings our uh, podcast for this evening to a to a close i want to i want to thank both monty and ryan it's been a blast i always have a lot of fun and uh, we want to give a a, a, again a special thank you to sienna italian restaurant and uh, to the blue zone comedy tour and uh we hope that you guys enjoyed it if you have uh, any feedback for us get a hold of us you can get us on social media uh tickle me Tickle Me Entertainment, and uh, we look forward to uh, to doing our next podcast. So with that, everybody, good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me.